You be encouraged to read and study the Word. You be encouraged to be Spirit-filled. You be encouraged to spend some time every day praying over the situations of your life. And I tell you what, it's a, it's a money-back guarantee. God will lead you by that process. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to begin a brand new teaching tonight. It's actually part two of a series on Jonah, one titled Jonah Does Jonah. Before I get into that, I want to tell you about something else that's taking place here at New Life. This is an annual event, something we've been doing for a long, long time and that is divorce care. Let me tell you about divorce care. Divorce care is a place to find help, a place to find hope, and a place to find healing. It is not a condoning of divorce. It is for folks that find themselves in that terrible plight of divorce, and they need help. This takes place, it begins actually the Friday, October 7th, and will continue on for about 13 weeks. There's a video session, a workbook support group that is involved in this. And if you would like more information, you can just contact us. The information's there on the screen. Uh, give us a call, and we'd be glad to talk to you about divorce care. Again, that begins on Friday, October the 7th and continues for about 13 weeks. And we'll try to tell you some more about that in the days to come. Back to Jonah. Let me tell you about Jonah. Instead of trusting God, Jonah entrusted himself to a bunch of sailors. Now, that's not a blanket condemnation of all sailors, but I'm just saying, compared to God, that's not, a pretty, that's not a real good trade, but that's what's going on here. I want to jump right on into this. I want to read one verse in your hearing. I think I said uh, earlier, we may be reading from chapter 2, but this is chapter 1, verse number 3, and it kind of sets the foundation for or establishes a foundation for this particular teaching. Look at this with me. Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 3. He, Jonah, went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each one listening in right now, and I pray that by your word you would speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that men and women and boys and girls would be challenged not to put their trust and their care into the hands of other men, but to trust you. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you take care and listen up very carefully. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless you. Here are some bullet points from part one. Now listen up. Those of you that were at camp last week, we celebrate that. 
thank the Lord for you. We prayed uh, uh, over you, for you last week. If you did not get to hear part one of this series, I would encourage you to go to our website, nlccalive.com, and uh, bring this up under the, the videos, the messages, ever how that's labeled there on the little drop-down box. And uh, do yourself a favor and spend a few moments sometime this week listening to that. Here's some of the bullet points from that. We said to you that Jonah, the book of Jonah, the Bible book, gives us this brief overview of one season of the life of a man that we do not know a lot about. Obviously, that man is Jonah. Here's what we do know. We do know Jonah's hometown, and we know his assignment from God. Everybody say assignment. That's really what this series is about. If I would uh, label it with one word, uh, we know about Jonah's hometown and his assignment. He was a prophet. That was his assignment. His hometown was Gath Hefer. That probably helps you out tremendously. One online source gives us the following, and I quote, proud, stubborn, disobedient, unfaithful, a grumbler, and altogether a bad-tempered, cantankerous old curmudgeon. Uh, that's not talking about me. This was Jonah, end quote. But having said that, hear me out, realistically, be real honest with yourself, realistically, at our very core, every last one of us, this seems to describe us on any given day. Can you be proud? Can you be stubborn? Can you be disobedient? Can you be a grumbler? Can you be a little bit cantankerous? Perhaps that we can learn a lot from Jonah. Sometimes as we look at these New Testament characters, or these Bible characters, I should say, we learn more about what not to do than what we should do. We also spent a good bit of time talking about ministry calling. That is connected to this word assignment. And I'm trying to emphasize to you the fact that, watch this, we all are called, whoever you are. Perhaps you're not even in a relationship with Christ yet. But when you are in a relationship with Christ, you are called. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says this, I urge you, everybody say me, I urge you to live a life worthy, look at this, of the calling, klesis is the original word, an invitation, the calling that you have received. Watch this. We've been called by a message, the good news, gospel message of Christ. And we've been called to know and embrace that message personally. And then beyond that, we've been called to spread the message. Now watch, there's a lot of folks that say, hey, I like that message. You're telling me that I can uh, uh, receive a get-out-of-hell-free card? I like that, and how do you get that? I want that. But preacher, you're talking about me having an assignment and helping other people understand how they can, can achieve the same. I'm not into that. Listen, I don't care whether you're into it or not. See, we're not just up here preaching about what you're into, but what you ought to be into. So we go back to this once more. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have 
received. Number one on your study notes is a repeat. It was such a good study note, I felt impressed to use it again. The fundamental key to it all is a one-word sermon. Here it is, obedience. You can preach a sermon this week. Tell all your friends and neighbors, hey, I, I can preach now. Here's my sermon, obedience. Can you say that with me? Obedience. Can you? Obedience. Jonah was given a go assignment from God. Watch this. He said no. He was given a go assignment, but he said no. I'm still giving you some background, some bullet points from uh, part one. Have you ever experienced anything like this? God says to you, go. The preacher preaches with some real enthusiasm that you have a calling on your life. God has said, go. And then maybe you don't say no, but you don't live out the yes. Are you with me? Immediately, God set a series of deterrents into motion when Jonah said no. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Who sent that great wind? Who's in charge of the wind? The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. I suggested to you that Jonah was asleep at the spiritual will. If you read the, uh, read the story, the account, you will realize that in the middle of all this, he went down into the inner parts of the ship and he went to sleep. Slept through it. He was asleep at the will. Watch this. And I'm about to wind up the summary. Being asleep at the spiritual will brought calamitous devastation into Jonah's world. It's very important you understand that. Being asleep at the spiritual will is not a good thing. Now, on your own time, I would encourage you to find 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6. I have that address on your notes. It's not going to appear on the screen, but read what it has to say about being awake or being in the light and not in the darkness. Listen, beloved, this wind that they encountered wasn't a balmy, comforting kind of thing, but rather it was of such magnitude that it was taking the ship apart. Can you imagine? So, with that, we move into part two. And here's where I'd like to take you. Let's take a brief pause, just a brief pause, and discover some things about the sailors that Jonah had entrusted himself to. You ever thought about the fact that Jonah entrusted himself to some sailors? Now remember, rather than trust God, he chose instead to entrust himself to a bunch of sailors. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the service of sailors. In particular, the United States Navy. Can I get an amen right there? But I think you'll agree that I'd rather, rather trust my spiritual destiny to Jehovah God than the, the greatest seaman of all time. Right? Beloved, Jonah had to put some real effort into orchestrating this excursion away from God. 
let me show you. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. He went down to Joppa. That was a long way from where he was when God told him to go. And he went the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa. It took some effort to do that. Where he found a ship, he had to look for that. A ship going to a particular place, bound for that port we know as Tarshish. After paying the fare, he had to cough up some bucks for this. He went on board and sailed for Tarshish to look, and this is important, to flee from the Lord. That was his intention. It's crystal clear. Now, listen. Have you discovered, meaning uncovered, that mostly it takes more effort and ingenuity and energy and resources to run away from God than it does to run with God? Have you discovered that? Hey, I could preach a lot on that, but suffice it to say, beloved, when you run with God, God picks up the tab. And listen to this. We could go in a lot of directions with this. Proverbs 13 says, Misfortune pursues the sinner. But prosperity is the reward of the righteous. Job says it this way, and this comes from the New Living Translation, chapter 27, verse 13. This is what the wicked will receive from God. This is their inheritance from the Almighty, verse 16. Evil people may have piles of money and may store away mounds of clothing, but the righteous will wear that clothing, and the innocents, the righteous, if you please, will divide that money. When you run with God, God picks up the tab. Apparently the sailors, and we're looking at the sailors, apparently the sailors were all religious persons. Now watch this. Religious may not be what you think, or what you have always been taught. But apparently they were all religious persons. For as the storm raged uh, of such magnitude as it threatened to or began to tear apart the, the vessel that they were on. Verse 5 of chapter 1 tells us all the sailors. How many of them? Now I just take the word of God for, for what it says. All the sailors each cried out to his own God, little g. You see it there? That's religion, folks, as opposed to Christianity, as opposed to being a Jesus chaser. The sailors must have had similar expectations of their passengers. Look at the first part of verse 6. The captain went to him, went to Jonah and said, How can you sleep? Get up! And call on your little G, God. Little did he know that Jonah's God, now he knew who Jonah's God was because he, this indicated in verse 10, but apparently he did not know that Jonah's God wasn't a little G God like the rest of them. Fill in number two with me on your study notes. These sailors even recognized that Jonah's little G-O-D, actually, big G-O-D, had some semblance of power and control over their present, their present dilemma. 
I find that interesting. Latter part of verse number 6 says, uh, the captain says to him, maybe he, maybe your God will take notice of us and we will not perish. The captain of the ship, and obviously the point man for all of the sailors, confronted Jonah in order to discover what they suspicioned was Jonah's ill-advised action that stirred up this storm. Look with me in verse 7, the latter part of the verse. Come, let us cast lots. Look at your neighbor and say, cast lots? Let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. Now, just as a little parenthesis, we actually know nothing at all about the lots themselves are very little, though it's mentioned, lots mentioned, 70 sometimes in the Old Testament and seven or so times in the New Testament. Interestingly, very interesting to me, God allowed the Israelites to cast lots, whatever that is, in order to determine His will for a given situation. It happened over and over and over again. For example, and I'm moving into the New Testament, in order to determine who would replace Judas, the record is clear, the 11 apostles cast lots, probably a carryover from their history. Matthew chapter 27 tells us this, and this is coming from a secular perspective. It tells us the Roman soldiers cast lots for Jesus' clothing. Apparently, they had turned it into some kind of sport, some kind of game, some kind of wagering event, if you please. Suffice it to say, number three on your study notes, in practice, the procedure of casting lots was effectively, like us, flipping a coin. And apparently, Jonah called heads and it landed on heads. Now, I don't know, again, if the sailors borrowed the notion of casting lots from the Hebrews or the Hebrews borrowed it from the sailors, but nonetheless, they cast. And this time, it worked. Again, the latter part of verse 7 says, the lot fell on Jonah. Now, let me just say this to you. I'm going to wrap that up, and we're going to go to a, another little detail about the sailors. Beloved, the Word of God, what is the Word, church? The Bible. Say that right out loud with me. What is the Word? The Bible, the Word, the Spirit, and I'm talking about Holy Spirit of God and prayer. The Word, Holy Spirit, and prayer are sufficient for discerning God's will today. You be encouraged to read and study the Word. You be encouraged to be Spirit-filled. You be encouraged to spend some time every day praying over the situations of your life. And I tell you what, it's a, it's a money-back guarantee God will lead you by that process okay back to the sailors they agreed it was Jonah's God that orchestrated all this calamity during this decimating calamity they even accepted that Jonah's God would hear and answer their own prayer you find that interesting? They had their little G-gods. But here at this point, I'm at verse 14 of chapter 1, we're told they, uh, they cried to the Lord, our Lord God. Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable. Now, let me step back for just a second and ask you this. 
Can you fathom Jonah's thought process as he listened to them plan his funeral? Are you with me? Lord, don't hold us accountable for that which we're about to do. Pitch this goomer in the deep blue sea. Can you imagine his thought process? Can you imagine him thinking, just days ago, I was God's prophet, and God called me. He said, go, and I said, no, and now look where I am. With that, they jettisoned the culprit. Verse 15, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And can you imagine at that point the sailors, as they're grabbing around, flailing all around, and they pitch Jonah in the sea, and it calms down. And they're like, oh. Mm. Listen, at that point, the religious folks, the religious folks were more in tune with God than was God's prophet. God used them religious folks to get Jonah back on track. Here's the good news. Jonah's, watch this, Jonah's death to himself and that's what he was experiencing. Jonah's death to himself required a drastic measure. We talked about that a little bit last week. Verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish. Who provided this great fish? The Lord provided a great fish. That's all we know about that. We don't know anything about the great fish. We don't know if that great fish was swimming around out in the ocean and God called him, fishy, come here, I got somebody I need you to eat. We don't, or if God actually got some Play-Doh out and you made him a little fish and breathe the breath. We don't know. What we do know is the Lord provided a great fish. And at the end of the day, does it matter where the fish came, uh, how that came about, I should say? God provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Will you consider with me? This is tantamount to him being dead and buried alive. I'm trying to help you understand something about people when God says go and they say no. Now, let me put forth something here for argument's sake. Not that I'm one that likes to argue. But let me put this forth. These sailors, and I wanted to talk to you about them a little bit to kind of help you understand these sailors that Jonah had surrounded himself with were a glaring example of the lost world. Let me quickly say, not unlike, actually like the lost persons that surround us even this day. Do any of you know any lost people? There's no doubt in a crowd this size and by way of live stream, there are some lost people listening to me right now. 
Maybe some religious people listening to me right now. I said that to say this. It's pretty typical, pretty typical that such lost persons have some little g gods, a god or gods in their life. These lost persons have little gods in their life. Now stay with me right here because I have wrestled over what I'm about to say to you to some extreme limits over the last couple of days. I want to begin with study note number four and we'll flesh that out a little bit. Beloved, persons chasing little gods instead of the God. Let me be clear. Persons chasing little gods instead of the God at the most foundational level do and have engaged and embraced some form of idolatry. Most of them will tell you that what I just said is not true and that they are not guilty of such. But stay with me. Idol worship, when distilled down to the very core, is about nothing more, nothing less than self. How many of you here this morning have a self? How many of you here this morning have a self? Now, the question is not whether you have a self or not because you do. The question is, what are you going to do with that self that you have control of? Pursuing self. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's certainly a back half to this particular part of the teaching. We'll look forward to sharing that with you next week, the, the Lord willing. Let me ask you this before we have to get out of here tonight. Are you running from an assignment? You? God has called you, gifted you for and purpose for you to chase after a certain assignment, and you're running away from it. Very similar to Jonah. And perhaps you've surrounded yourselves with, a, or, or surrounded yourself with a group of people that's running away from the assignment as well. So it looks like you're kind of normal, and you know in your heart of hearts there's nothing normal about it. Normal is chasing after God, allowing God to fill that that void in your life that only He can fill. Now I argue to you, and a lot of people argue with this, but that is what normal is supposed to be. That's when you will feel and sense and normal and be fulfilled as a normal person. What about it? Are you running to God or away from God? To the assignment or away from the assignment? My prayer for you is that you'll run to the assignment and you'll pursue it with a reckless abandon. Pursue it with every fiber of your being, with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now and I pray in the power of the Spirit that you would help us, Lord, to pursue your business, to pursue your calling, to, uh, to be after that which you have purposed us to be after. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, this is a tough message that we're talking about, and I trust that you'll get a hold of it and really know and understand what God has purposed and planned for your Life. We'll talk more about this next time, the Lord willing. Before I get out of here tonight, I do want to remind you again of our divorce care sessions, which began on Friday, October 7th. 
There's some information there on the screen about that, and we'll look forward to uh, having you. If you have any questions about uh, divorce care, uh, some concerns about the time, place, and so on and so forth, there's some information there on the screen. Give it a look-see and uh, give us a call. We'll be glad to try our best to help you with that. Well, I have to get out of here. I am Terry Knight, and the pastor of New Life Community Church. Trust you're going to have a great day, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? <music>